Tonight on the show, we have Jason and Louie from the UAP Studies Podcast. Dan Lewandowski will join me to talk about Dr. Jonathan Reed and finish where we left off in our last conversation. As always, thank you for listening to The Secret Society of Stuff with Rob and Chad. The, the Secret Society of Stuff. The Secret Society of the stuff. 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 Now, abductees are not usually physically harmed, but Dr. Mack has documented severe psychological and emotional distress that can persist for decades afterwards. Abductees usually withdraw from society, but the overwhelming majority of abductees report a sense of dread, humiliation, hopelessness, and fear. These are the ones that suffer psychologically the most. It ruins their life. Something definitely happened to these abductees. They didn't just dream this. Contactees are abductees, but they're a subset of them. Contactees usually feel chosen by these aliens to proclaim their alien message. This message is usually one of impending doom, followed by a new age for humanity if we listen to and obey their message. Let's take a look at the alien message. Their message is that space beings hope to guide Earth into this new golden age when all races will shun discrimination, will have a unified world government that will conduct itself on their spiritual principles, and it will permit all people to grow in love and peace. To do this, we must accept their help to transcend our consciousness to a higher spiritual plane. Now, from the 1950s all the way through the mid-70s, it was nuclear war. From the mid-70s on, it's ecological disaster. You're not handling your planet right. We can't let you go out into the universe if you can't handle your own planet. In the 1940s and the 1950s, before we had a space program, these aliens told us things that were just not true. They told us that there was a civilization on Saturn, that it was a subtropical paradise. They said Venus had forest and streams, healthy wheat fields, suburban areas, etc. They even said that the sun and Mercury aren't hot and that Pluto wasn't cold. They also said that man will never set foot on the moon until we receive and obey their message. They've been ignorant of the Earth's diameter and just basic planetary physics. They have espoused very racist views, particularly against the Jews. They've urged LSD and drug use, and they condone premarital sex. They usually espouse views that are what we would consider either occult or very, very liberal theology. They're usually interested in theology, but they, they never can agree with other aliens. Their definition of God, who they talk a lot about, it's all over the map. They said they come from every planet in our solar system. And the really funny thing is, as America's space program began to advance in the 1960s, all of a sudden, they didn't come from the planets in our solar system. They started coming from other planets outside of our solar system. That's really interesting. So we found that a lot of these messages we get through the contactees from the aliens are just flat out lies. They're not true. These messages are coming through contactees, not abductees. Abductees are too traumatized to hear or deliver these messages. They just don't act like the intelligent beings that they're supposed to be. 
They also have a preoccupation with sex. We must wonder why the alien contact method is the same as that that's used by psychics, mediums, and occultists. Secondly, if they're really highly advanced beings from another star system, why are they fixated on a religious message? Doesn't it seem strange they haven't told us how to cure disease, restore the environment, renew civilization, eliminate poverty, war, pestilence, and social unrest? Why do UFOs only use occultic means of communication instead of standard approaches like radio contact or direct physical contact with recognized government leaders? Why do they appear to two drunks in Pascagoula, Mississippi who were on a fishing trip in 1971? Why? Dr. Valley says the UFO phenomenon represents a manifestation of a reality that transcends our current understanding of physics. The UFOs are physical manifestations that cannot be understood apart from their psychic reality. What we see is not an alien invasion. It is a control system. They are most likely interdimensional beings. Sambi wangi panamona kamu valele mwene wando kala benyaba emengondo yange mona mona mwene ngumba mona mona mwene yawa aluke nungolo fwa kamu bingi kyaze mwene wando kala benyaba emengondo yange When I first saw it, I thought that it was fake because sometimes when you see something that's so real, it just, every time I watch it now, I see something new that just convinces me that it's the real deal. Like, it's the creatures obviously blinking. And I don't think that this guy had access to fucking Jim Henson Studios. You know, it's, it's obviously alive. It's moving around. Um, he actually does an autopsy on it later where you can just tell this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Convinced. stories are so fascinating because I've learned to disregard my initial skepticism because of my own experiences. Like, who the fuck am I to say, like, because I... My response to people when they'll accuse me of, like, doctoring photos and stuff, I don't have enough free time in the day to do that. So for somebody else to, like, take that time, granted, touche to them if they want to do it, who the fuck knows? Hang on. So after he grabbed his, his camera and started recording, he's still hyperventilating, he's still throwing up, and I've, I've tried to to do the same thing. I've tried to hyperventilate for as long as he has. 
And unless you have the adrenaline in your system to do so, I don't think possible to, to recreate what he did comfortably. That's just a lot of commitment and effort level to go into just to like, what's the Hope result? Somebody. Yeah. Then maybe what, you get some views on YouTube. Like, what really gets me is is the is the obelisk, the the, the craft that, that is accompanying this creature. It was some sort of a science station that was hovering in this clearing, and the you know in the, in the video you can see like the closer he gets to it with his camera, the more the camera fuzzes out. And the reason for that is because this yeah. thing off an intense amount of electromagnetic energy yeah. using an old VHS camera, which uses magnetic tape. So you can see it in the, in the video. He eventually backs off and zooms in and, and it, it kind of dissipates enough to where you can see this thing just floating in this clearing. And then he goes and looks at the creature. And that's pretty much the end of the video after all of the, the other stuff. Another thing, and you won't find this on YouTube, you know that he, he was like a doctor yeah. at the University of uh, Washington. I guess it, that's what it is. And he took samples of, of the fluid that was coming out of this creature's head from the wounds that he inflicted and had them DNA tested. Do you know what they found? No. Well, this is, this is before the, the guy who did the DNA testing was murdered. They found that the creature had the same amount of chromosomes as human beings. They said that the, the closest thing that they could find to what this creature was, at least the earthly parts, was sea tortoise and dolphin. Wow, that's interesting. But that's it's an approximation. They go, this thing was obviously genetically engineered to perform a task. What's going on in Washington? Why is all this stuff happening in that area? Well, just a loose tie-in in Ingo Swan's book, Ingo Swan, the remote viewer, the CIA handler who he does black ops projects with, the famous Axelrod, who's that's the pseudonym he's gone by. He's kind of a, a myth in uh, the UFO phenomenon. One of these projects where he remote viewed the dark side of the moon the weekend that he was out with this Axelrod guy, he took him out to the Northwest and they went out to Alaska and it was Axelrod and go and two of his guys and Axelrod took him to a mountain where they sat in the forest and Axelrod showed him a craft come up out of the water in the middle of this lake, come out of this lake, hover above the trees, kind of survey around, and uh, showed them this for about a half hour. And that's that, like, that's kind of your northwest corridor. I mean, this is where Linda Moulton Howe says she has sources which claim that there are hundreds of underground pyramids, and several of them are underground in Alaska. Yeah, in Antarctica. When you talk about these terrains that are in these sub-zero conditions we don't know what the fuck's out there i find antarctica being one of the more fascinating places what is happening with 1947 was that a flap for whatever reason frequencies and waves they just align and there are just these periods of time where you just i wonder if we're in one now where you just kind of get roswell happened around then and like 
the Cold War was happening, like shit was going on. And now in today's world, where we're at with tech, and I just think when there's a lot of variables that we as humans are providing, the phenomenon picks up their activity and is kind of just putting itself out there like, hey, hey, there, there's something else here. So in October of 1947, this is after the military officers. Oh, real quick, to answer your question, the Arnold fleet was nine. What the fuck, dude? And bro, that craft he was looking for, there were nine U.S. soldiers on that craft. What the fuck? These are the horseshoe craft that Arnold spotted. These are the horseshoe craft. And the Maury Island were horseshoe craft. And the first evidence of a horseshoe craft that I can find was when Philip Schneider said that in 1909, the U.S. cavalry was hunting down these bandits – and they went into this cave system, killed the bandits, but they found what they called the Gray Demons and a whole bunch of horseshoe craft. What is year in, was this? This is Truth or Consequences, New Mexico in 1909. Yeah, this is where maybe I'll present my alternative thought on the, the craft. I'm in the camp of what's presented to us as craft. I strongly believe that they're alive. And I think that's extremely impossible that they're organic. But two, I also believe that, well, I'll just focus on the craft. Everything that is presented to us from the phenomenon's aspect is never the reality of it. So when it comes to craft, I like the theory that the craft, the crafts are presented to us in a way that makes sense to us. Oh, no. Chad. God damn it. What? Yeah, there you are. Okay, well, this thing's not going to... Fuck. If I could get my damn... Uh, Try being sweet to it. Try being sweet to it. I don't care. It's... Mm, we'll see. But that's why we started early, so we can try to get the kinks. What the fuck is this? Oh, never mind. God damn it. This will be an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting window into, like, what these people do, like, when they're not talking about UFOs. But what do you anticipate we'll talk about? I mean... I just want to find out, like, do they have day jobs? I mean, like, I've got a day job. Yeah, me too. I don't know what what these guys do. Um, I know they should be making fairly decent money at it. They're pretty well monetized, and I think this might be all they do, but I don't know. They just say the ufology thing. That's all they do? They don't have day jobs? I don't think so. I don't think they do shit other than run around and chase UFOs. Great job. I can send these guys the link if we want to go ahead and roll or if we want to hang around a few more minutes and make sure we're stable. We're stable. Send it. Okay. UAP Studies Podcast. Mark. This is Jason. How's it going, guys? Doing great. great. How are you? Oh, man. I'm uh, I'm excited. I just had a three-hour nap. So. Have you ever woken up from a nap depressed? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> That's happened. Anymore. I talked to a doctor about it. I said, I get really, really depressed after naps. And the doctor said, well, don't fucking nap them, you piece of shit. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You're a doctor, for God's sakes. Yeah, but if your doctor calls you a piece of shit, you probably you know should see a different doctor. Uh, are we starting the, the podcast right away, guys? I do post-editing, so I, okay, gotcha. you know, I, can, I can chop everything together. Do y'all do post-editing? Uh, we do post editing after the the. Uh, now we're doing uh, less post editing because we're doing it on YouTube as well. 
So yeah. I just realized I don't have to do as much editing as I used to have to. Uh, mostly it was, it was myself. I would edit myself out a lot. I didn't like the sound of my voice. I didn't like the questions that I asked. So I would just go through the whole podcast uh, before when it was just audio and just edit the crap out of my own voice. So about Chad just editing me. Hang on two seconds here. Rob, what's that noise? Uh, probably the bugs and crickets and shit in the background. Those are cicadas. Am I saying that right? Cicada? Cicadas? Can you get um, in your front seat of your car? Uh, yeah, I can probably do that. I can't hear Louie. Can you guys hear me this time? Yeah, I can hear you, dude. Perfect. Jason, you did the podcast by yourself for a really long time. What made you decide to get a co-host? Getting a co-host was always on my mind, but I didn't know who to ask or like who. How did y'all find each other? Through work, actually, through work connection. Actually, Louie, maybe you want to take over. And, uh... Yeah, we worked together and uh, we just started chatting one day. I think it was about ancient aliens or something random. And we both kind of had pretty highly uh, intellectual answers on those topics and similar opinions. So I think it was at that point you told me that you had a podcast and you wanted me to appear as a guest. So I, uh, we did a show together and uh, I enjoy enjoyed it so much. And I, it was pretty fluid banter. We didn't have any edits to make, and uh, we had a bit of fun. We were on point, and you asked me to join the show. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just checked our numbers before I jumped on here. Even just our new YouTube page that we've only had for a month, we've got over 20,000 views. Yeah. I mean, the, and the amount of videos, or not videos, the amount of uh, feedback we get comment-wise on the videos is quite different from – let's say just Facebook posts or just podcasts, usually you get a lot of likes or like, you know, subtle hints that people are digging what you do. And I just noticed yeah. on YouTube, it's more like, you know, love your show. You guys have a lot of fun. Uh, love the guests that you have. They, they really go out of their way to be almost sentimental about it. And like some of the, the comments we've had, I read it. I'm like, man, I wish I could meet that guy. Like he seems like the nicest person ever. How do you stay non-biased when speaking to a guest? I mean, their opinions differ so greatly from your own. How do you stay neutral? Uh, Louis, I'll let you go first on that one, and then I'll take second on that. For me, I just try to remind myself and stay humble that we don't know shit, and neither do the people we're talking to. You know, I don't get too wrapped up in my own perception of things because that's probably going to change in six months or a year when I learn something else. You know, if you don't change your opinion with education, what does that say about who you are? I, I kind of welcome it. Again, we vet our guests pretty good. So we're not going to have somebody ask us about some totally vague or, you know, really abstract, weird phenomena. Like we make sure that who we're talking to is going to be on point. Um, but yeah, that's basically that's that's my take on it. Just stay humble. And uh, you never know. Sometimes you still get little nuggets of gold, even from people that have vastly different opinions. You know what? The, the one that I really liked, uh, we did one recently where it was uh, just our two year review. Mm -hmm. And it was just Louie and I bantering back and forth about, you know, our, the podcast, the guests that we've had on. And not only that, but just behind the scenes of the podcast, you know, like what goes on, like the, you know, it's problematic sometimes getting some of these guests, like, you know, it's big names and you're chasing after them and they don't know who the hell you are. They've never heard of you. And you're like, hey, would you consider being on my podcast? And like the 11,000 other podcasters out there that reached you this week. Uh, it's very easy to just fall through the cracks. We basically have one shot deal, right? So 
I kind of have a little structure, you know, like this is who we are. This is the flavor of our show. Here's some of our previous guests. And, you know, I give them an idea of what we want. We want 45 minutes of your time. You know, we simplify right. it so they're not expecting a three hour long, you know, we don't get, we want to, we want them to know if they come on, this is what it's going to be like. And here's some of your colleagues that have also been on the show as well. And now right. we're at the point where we're getting responses from some of the big names. And some of these people want to charge you to go on their podcast or go on your show. No fucking way. Hey, no, oh, yeah. Alex, listen, Alex Mistretta. Listen is the to only this. This is the worst I've ever heard. So uh, maybe a month ago, I finally got a response from one guy. I won't say his name because we're not out to bash people. And, but anyway, right. this guy's on like Ancient Aliens. He's on, you know, a bunch of other History Channel programs, UFO documentaries. He's very well renowned and responds, yeah, you know, I've heard of you guys. I know your show. It's very well done. But due to my, you know, contract with my manager, we have to charge 250 bucks for a podcast. And I'm thinking, you know what? Like, what are you short on rent? 250 bucks. Yeah. If you're a big shot, you're going to charge 20 grand for an appearance. You're like 250. It's it's almost like these are the same generation of people that don't they don't understand followings. And if we have, you know, 80,000 people in a month that are going to hear that show, that's worth a hell of a lot more than 250 bucks. So sometimes it's, it's 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 amazing that the short-sightedness that these people have there are people that are out for the cause i mean we didn't pay george knapp to come on our show and he didn't pay us to have his opinion either some people just want to make money right they're only out to see what they can do and uh it makes it tough to sift through the bullshit to try to get to the legitimate stories when we interviewed george knapp and he actually corrected the new york times article regarding the tic tac because in that article, they said that it was ATIP that got the funding and Lou Elizondo and all the rest. And George Knapp had been working with the government since NIDS in the 90s and Robert Bigelow. And subsequently, OSAP was the actual program that got the funding. They had the $22 million budget. They had over 50 full-time employees and investigators and all that. So he went on the record saying... This is a bit of an error that's been, you know, now accepted because of how it was uh, published. And so for me, that was like, holy, like, we are actually not just interviewing some random people. Yeah, this yeah. is now news. He's going on the record saying this and uh, and other people and their, their podcasts, they've asked us to use clips of that because it was a groundbreaking enough uh, disclosure that, hey, do you mind if we take that segment and use it on our show about the same thing? So for me, that was the one that that really stood out. Like, this is actually the real deal. We're on the front lines of this stuff. Wow. Yeah. And for me, I would, I would think that, um, you know, even having Sean Cahill come on and saying something that he's never said yeah. before on a podcast, it was kind of the first time he ever mentioned it about having another experience with a craft and some sort of entity at his home. Uh, you know, he had never talked about that before and he, broke that on the podcast yeah. and then same with Makai Morin when he came on he sort of said you know I had a weird experience uh, you know a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago take it for what it is but this is it so it's great to see people being comfortable enough to be able to talk about this subject seriously and you know we always like to get right into it like there's some podcasts you go on and they I don't know sort of joke around too long or they take too long to get to the actual subject of what they're talking about with commercials and you know right. all this other stuff and uh, for us we just get right into it we do the intro introduce the guests and then just get into it like hey man what's up with these ufos 
Um, and so there's no wasted time. There's just, just get right to the meat of it. And I think that's, that's worked well for us because sort of cuts the fat, you know, gets right to the heart of it. That's been a, a huge success for us for sure. Rob, what was your favorite? <clears throat> from their show? No, from yours. Uh, from our show? Oh, shit, I yeah. don't know. Uh, I'm sure it was something during Colthard. I just can't remember right offhand. Did you guys ever talk to Colthard? No, no, no. We're trying to. We're trying to book him, but uh, he's tentatively given us a date. But he's he said he was doing a whole lot of podcasts and a whole lot of shows, and he doesn't want to sound like you know like the same thing every time he's appearing. So he needs a he needs a personal break to get his uh, get his thoughts clear. Maybe bring some new info to the table. Dude, this guy's just he's so he seems awesome. Spoken. It's it's really it was really really intimidating to speak with him because he's just better than everybody. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy that like, uh, you know, if you're if you're standing next to him and your girlfriend's in the same room, you know, she's gonna rethink the nature of your relationship. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He just he's just uh, breathes out awesome. Yeah, yeah, for real. There's common uh, threads that we see from guests, like uh, you know, if we have some people that have been abducted, for instance they'll describe a feeling or something that they've seen that is similar to what somebody else described. And you start seeing some patterns of at least repetition, which is awesome. Um, also talking with other people like George Knapp and Colm Kelleher and stuff like that, you realize, you know, there is this other category within ufology, you know, the cryptids, the weird things that people have, ex you know, experience around them because they've been exposed to, a UAP or some sort of entity event. No, it's, you start seeing these patterns within the, uh, the guests. And that is what's really cool about this is that we're learning from them. And at the same time, we're putting puzzles together. So, and that's really what ufology is, is just this massive puzzle. And we just get pieces every once in a while. And sometimes the pieces don't fit at the time, but if you hang on to it long enough, it'll actually fit into the pattern of it later on. So that's really what we have as investigators and researchers is just pieces. And, uh, you know, we have some pieces of the puzzles put together, but yeah, it keeps getting more and more mysterious as, uh, as it goes on, at least for me anyways. For me, it's, <clears throat> I've had moments of, I think I'm getting somewhere. And then I've had moments of this is impossible and a total waste of time. So I think I'm at the stage now where I don't friggin' know. You know, I've chatted with enough people. We've chatted with enough people. These people have multi-decade careers, and they essentially give us the Coles Notes breakdown of everything that they've learned. And, you know, just when you think it's nuts and bolts, UFOs, and, yeah, maybe they can travel in physical craft at, you know, 50 times the speed of light, whatever. And then you just start learning more about quantum physics and perhaps it's interdimensional and as Jason mentioned, cryptids and orbs and like portals and just it, it starts. You try to not keep it fringe. You try not to be too out there. <clears throat> and the more you go down the rabbit hole, the more out there it gets. And frustratingly so, because maybe maybe we will never figure this out. Maybe it's just so above our pay grade that we're not going to get there. And so I have moments of being frustrated and again, we dedicate a lot of time and energy into making a podcast specific for that. And sometimes it just feels like, why the hell are we doing this? Like, government's not going to tell us. They're not going to land on the White House lawn. So I, I, I go from being an uber enthusiast and wanting something definitive so badly that it almost spoils the taste of doing it, right? It's a very frustrating thing for me. 
Um, but again, I'm proud to be a part of something where at least we're getting info on the front line and, you know, working a lot of other people educate themselves that don't really know much about it. We're kind of helping them navigate through that sea of bullshit that's out there, giving them a couple little snippets and at least they can take that. And if that spurs somebody on to, uh, to becoming an enthusiast or maybe getting more into the subject, then I think that's, that's mission accomplished. Every ancient civilization has a story they all talk about things in the sky, whether they're angels or visitors or whatever. <laughs> maybe it is ingrained in us to the point where it is organic. You know, maybe, I mean, this isn't a recent phenomenon. Um, so, yeah. you know, the, the ancients have always looked up to the heavens for answers, for enlightenment, for just everything, right? So, again, maybe that's based on actual nuts and bolts. Maybe that's just you know, real spiritual encounters. Maybe there were angels and that type of thing. Who knows? But for some reason, it stuck around through folklore and legend for thousands of years. And everything coming from the sky always had right. authority, right? Yeah. There was right. always a, a source of, of knowledge, a source of good or righteousness. And regardless of what religion it was, that whatever came from the sky was a positive thing. Rob, you know, Rob is an experiencer, right? He, he's lives maybe like eight, nine miles away from a nuclear power plant. They fuck with him consistently, continuously. They come into his room at night. They fuck with his family. I mean, it's bizarre. So having him around is like a continuous reminder of why we do the show. Rob, do you, have your experiences informed your beliefs on this subject? Yeah, well, most, most definitely. Um... You know, like I said, I had the uh, experiences as a child and kind of shut those out for years. And then when it all opened back up and I realized how real uh, what was really going on was, it just changed the whole paradigm. And, and Rob, if you don't mind, uh, sorry, I'm just putting on the podcast ad here. What What is it that uh, you saw when you were a kid? Uh, I had three grays uh, behind my house when I was 14 and two black triangles as a child. And I've experienced all kinds of ghostly paranormal type stuff, uh, throughout my entire life, pretty much. So okay. did you say white triangles? No, black triangles. Oh, black triangles. I was going to yeah. say, man, I've no. never heard of that. No, Let's no get into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> white triangles. That is yeah, yeah, no, 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 white triangles. What's interesting is that he gets depressed if the sightings dry up. If he is no longer experiencing these things, he goes into this really vicious funk and it lasts until they come back. Is it uh, a, a, the thrill of it, like the dopamine release or something like that? I, that uh, I, I guess. I, I'm not real sure what causes it. I just, it took me a few, you know, rotations of the cycle to realize what was actually going on. And then it clicked one day. I was like, wow. Um, every time the, you know, the sightings dry up or nothing's happened for a while. Um, I just go into this depression. So how you mentioned earlier that it was when you were 14, but this is still an ongoing phenomenon that you experienced? Right. Yeah, there there was a lot of years where nothing went on. And then in 2021 in April, I think it was 2021. Yeah, it was right before my oldest daughter graduated. Um, I was laying outside just staring up at the sky one night. And got up and started back in, and on my way across the yard, I just had these this weird electrical sensation from the bottom of my feet all the way up through the tip of my hair. And I'm walking toward the porch, and I set my you know night vision goggles and everything I had on me down on the rail, 
And I look up to the left right before I start up the steps and there's an orb just hovering over a tree, uh, probably, I don't know, 75 yards out and maybe a hundred foot up. Wow. It terrified the hell out of me so bad as a child that I just repressed it, you know, shut it all down and shut it all out. Do you have any communication or have you had any messages? Like were, have you been able to ask anything or have any, any information given to you? I've played some light games and actually got responses, you know, flash them with the laser and stuff yeah. like that, different orbs. And I've had a couple of possible telepathic communications, but nothing I could ever, you know, really prove or say definitively. I just, I know I'm not schizophrenic, you know, and this voice shows up in my head when I lay down to go to bed uh, after I heard this sound outside and I heard something say in my mind, we are here. So, you know, I sit through and, you know, just subconsciously go through what's going on in my head and ask who these people are. And the only thing I get is we are here and you'll soon know. And then it just goes quiet. And I'm just mind blown by this event. You know, like what in the actual fuck just went on? Right. You should get you hypnotized. Maybe you have other uh, other memories regress somehow. Maybe there's more there. That's what happened to Calvin Parker. He didn't talk for 40 years and then all kinds of shit start coming out. Wow. No, well, that's that's interesting. And you you live by a power, not power plant, but nuclear I power am. plant. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting on a river uh, about, let's see, probably eight miles down the river. There's a nuclear plant about 15 miles across the other side of the river. It's an uh, underground mine. About an hour and a half north is Redstone Arsenal. Ooh. And there's Indian mounds uh, up and down these river bits, too. Well, that narrows it down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird because we, um, as humans, we have what we all agree is sort of a, a standard reality, right? We all agree that the table is in the room. Uh, we all agree that, uh, you know, we're talking online right now. So we have a, a standard reality. But the thing is, there might be more to reality than what humans accept and you know, even like uh, the looking at an ant, an ant will only focus on getting food for the colony, doesn't focus on anything else, doesn't see the big picture. You know, um, it might be the same thing for us. We might be at that level galactic wise or, you know, at least an intelligent level that we can't understand what's going on. Like the bigger picture will just elude us for quite some time. And that's maybe why it's so scary for the government to come out and just say, hey, these things are here. Because it might be a really complex, scary situation. It might not just be interstellar travelers, but you might have interdimensional travelers as well. And that opens up a whole new thing. Like, okay, we're not just being visited from entities from a different location. It's from a different dimension as well. Um, and the fact is that there's nothing that the government can do about it. Nothing the military can do about it. They're just going to come and go as they please. So that is another part of reality that maybe soon we'll be having to uh, accept as well. You experience some of these things that is beyond yourself. And, the, you know, uh, I've never tried it myself, but I'm just saying that there, there are ways that people can experience something that is bigger than, than themselves uh, and then come back really changed from the experience, right? So um, I'm just saying it's out there. <laughs> I think the only way to go is <clears throat> internally in your mind, because our body is just a biological machine. We only pick up a certain spectrum of the light. We only pick up a certain spectrum of sound and like, even a dog whistle, a dog gets it, but we don't. So that's a very basic example of that. So 
you know, we're only equipped for so much. We're never going to be able to see infrared with our naked eye. So right. rather than worrying about it in terms of how are we going to see it, you know, we're looking for that UFO land on the White House lawn kind of thing. We need to go internally. And I mean, that's the, the theology behind like Buddhism and Hinduism and things like that. Like if you're looking for enlightenment, it's within you and it's accessible to you just as it was the elders. Right. So don't look externally go within yourself. So maybe that's also the key to this, you know, revealing of what this actually is, you know, maybe divinity and supernatural really are the same. We just don't know. There used to be quite the disconnect between science and religion. And, you know, even when I was a kid, like I remember coming home from school one day and I was raised in like a Christian household. I went to Catholic school and all that. And I was telling my mom about evolution and she got like lost her mind. She's like, we send you to a Catholic school. What are they telling you that, you know, we used to be monkeys and all this bullshit. And I said, mom, it doesn't really matter if we look different a hundred thousand or a million years ago, physically right. monkey who, who created the monkey. So God is right. never missing from that equation. If you still want to believe. So what if we're bioengineered, if we're bioengineered, I mean, who knows, who knows what's going on, but I, even if, if it came out tomorrow that some alien species created us thousands of years ago, I wouldn't forget the fact that I'm a Christian. I was it's still with the permission of God. Even if there is a dominion that's controlling all this or seeding us, something is allowing it to happen, right? Right. If you just remove God in terms of like the man with the white robe and the staff floating on a cloud, if you just think in terms of creation and like the ultimate love that's involved with that, there's nothing but purity and, and goodness. So if that's still the, the underlying source of everything, no matter what the story looks like or sounds like, he's still in charge or it right. or whatever you want to define it as. It's still its plan. So we're still, you know, it, it just makes it that much more interesting. And now with things like, you know, the CERN uh, particle accelerator and they were looking for the God particle before and they call it that because that little snippet of quantum physics can stitch together science and religion that with consciousness and with, you know, um, intent, something becomes this type of molecule versus this type of molecule. So right at a very fundamental scientific level, they're looking for God in science right now. So the divide has never been further apart. We're starting to converge on it. And, you know, I read a study a couple of months ago, maybe it was even longer than that, but they were doing studies on like reaction time. So the fastest reaction time in history or whatever, it was like 0.4 of a second. But then when they did it with measuring people's brain functions and like pricking their toe with something sharp, it was like 0.9. And that, that's how long it took for it to relate. So when you react to something, you're, this is what the theory of this article was. But when you react to something, your brain has to go back in time so that it has enough of a buffer to tell your finger to get off of the stove burner in as fast right. as 0.4 of a second, when really the right. neurons don't even transmit that quick. They're at 0.9. No. So it's just the, the more you get into it, the weirder it becomes. And it's just amazing some of the stuff that they're, they're studying and, and learning right now. You know, most of the theories for me, I'm well worth investigating. There's nothing really that I've come across. I mean, it's always funny watching the, um, when they went through a flying saucer craze in the United States, in the 1950s and people like you were mentioning, like, you know, I met this couple from Venus and they're very, very nice. And the other people were from Jupiter. Like it was all planets that's within our solar system. 
uh, you know, including the gas giants, which is not hospitable at all. No. Um, you know, those were the ones that I laugh at or the ones that, uh, and it's the charlatans within the community, really, that's whatever it is that they're pushing. I think that's the stuff that I'm having a hard time believing. Because um, let's face it, there's, you know, there's money to be made in anything. And there's money to be made in, in ufology as well. Like if you sell books, you go to conventions, like you get paid for, you know, this and that and to appear on TV. And some people are making a very lucrative career out of it. $250 a podcast. That's only yeah. the low-lying scum that need 250 to make rent. The other guys are killing it and they don't need the money. Yeah, yeah. But that's it, right? It's just the uh, beware of the... Uh, but it's you got to watch out for the charlatans. You got to watch out for the people that you know have. I, I'm the one with the answer, right? I'm the only yeah. one who knows what's really going on here, and I'm gonna come out with documentaries that prove my point. And, so, how, how do you guys tell the difference between a charlatan and somebody who's you know actually trying to tell the truth? Art, Art Bell, right? Art Bell said that he wanted to use his platform as a way to give a voice to people who didn't feel like they were being heard. Um, and yes, that he got a bunch of calls from crazies uh, out the woodwork, but every once in a while, somebody special would shine through. Well, I'll give you an example today. Like we had Kevin Randall on our show earlier today, and he went into not debunking, but he had you know, analysis and research contrary to some very popular stories, including even like UFO sightings that were in like MJ-12 documents. And he flat out said, those reports were bullshit and here's how I know why. And this was only based on one witness. And this was actually more legit than that. And so even things that we've all accepted to be credible, there's guys dedicating their career out there to saying, well, no, not quite. And that's kind of like George Knapp clarifying the New York Times. Like, yeah, you almost got it, but but not quite. But to answer your question about how do we know who's who, we vet them. We researched somebody two weeks. You know, there's been many people we were all set to have on the show. We decided otherwise. Uh, essentially, the guys that have been doing this, guys and ladies that have been doing this for decades, that have had every piece of shit thrown at them that, you know, this field can throw – and are still credible and still hold their head high, that's a vetting in itself. If it's right. somebody from a certain place that nobody's ever heard of with a remarkable story, unfortunately at this time, you're not getting on our show. We just right. can't, we can't take the chance that somebody's a complete idiot and we're going to associate. Or they just have other extracurricular things in their life that they may get in trouble for. So we, we only have people on the show that have something to lose. Because whatever they say, they live and die by that record. And I think that eliminates a lot of the nonsense. You know, 80 to 90% of our requests, we, either we can't put on the show or we're worried to put on the show. And that worry is enough to say no. It's a yeah. really good product. You've got a lot to lose. We work really hard on this thing. We have nothing but positive praise and people that genuinely dig us. We don't want to screw that up. I mean, that's at right. least my opinion on it. I'd rather leave the show than do something to hurt the show. Do you guys have any road shows? Next year. We'll be we'll be doing some tours next year. We're gonna go to some of the bigger shows in the States. COVID kind of screwed things up. We weren't we've only been actually doing this full time for probably eight months ourselves. Jason's been doing this over two years, but um, you know, I had a new baby last year, our first baby, which is a lot in itself. So Congratulations. 
Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. That's uh podcast is a piece of cake compared to making a nine month old happy. That's, uh, but uh, yeah, next year we're going to go around. We're going to, we're going to make ourselves known. We're going to go to some of the shows and uh, we just want to network and meet people. We want to get other people's cool stories and whatever comes of that. We're, uh, we're excited about. This is so incredible. Rob, do you have any questions? No, I think I'm good right now. I'm sitting in a sweat lodge, man. I'm, uh, I've got my windows rolled up on my truck, and I'm just sitting here with it turned off because I didn't want the air blowing and making a racket. Oh, no. So I'm just, <laughs> How I'm hot just sitting, here, pour, I'm just right sitting here pouring sweat. It's like 90 degrees and humid. Oh, man. That's You're commitment. You know what? I like that thank, shit. Uh, <laughs> man dies yeah, recording podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, all right, gentlemen. I don't want to keep you beyond the hour. I just wanted to thank you so very much. As soon as the episode's ready, Rob will email you a, a link. Um, do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, we're here for you. We really do support your podcast. Awesome. Oh, man. And we're, we'll do our best to, to get some eyes on it, too. You sent us the link. We've got various channels, and we have a new website now. And we have some pretty big Facebook groups we belong to. Like, we'll launch an episode, and we'll get five, 600 views in a couple hours, right? So Truly, thank you so much. Hey, Keep up the good work, my, guys. What's our pleasure? It. Yeah, absolutely. All right, fellas. Thanks, boys. Yeah, thank you guys for your time. Bye bye. Fucking dying out here, man. Jesus. Oh my God. What? (laughs) Alright, dude. I'll edit this. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, bro. Alright, dude. Sister, so that you're not near me, Lyudi. Is Ginya. Is Cosistopinia. Good Haya in glass nobs or yardy. Sons Nazaria any of us reach a cosinze buddy. Inuiti Savania cosista prisviti noci.